Celebrate Halloween with dressed up donuts from Dunkin', like the spooky sweet Halloween spider donut. Trick or treat! Aren't you a little bit old to be trick or treating? Uh, no. This is, uh, it's just a really good uh, costume. Anyway, I hear you're giving out Dunkin' Spider Donuts? Didn't I just see you with your kid? No, that was just, uh, my friend. Psst, Dad, is it working? Run to Dunkin' all month long for the Halloween Spider Donut and get 10 Munchkin's Donut Hole Treats for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Limited time offer. Participation may vary. This week at Restoration Place. Your love for someone or something will make you sacrifice a portion of yourself or a piece of yourself to that person to show them how much you love them. Your love for a certain thing, you it will be a sacrifice of a piece of yourself in order to accomplish yeah, yeah. that thing. Praise God for whom all blessings flow. Welcome to this place of restoration. Welcome First Lady Darlene Bazemore with this week's message. So you may be seated. We just thank God for all of you on today. Amen. And as I stated before, we do thank God for this opportunity to be able to come before the people of God. I just thank God for all that he is doing in your lives. And I thank him for what he's yet going to do because he has promised to do it. Amen. amen. His promises are yes and amen. And I'm just looking forward to the manifestation of his of the fruit of our labor. Amen. And, and the manifestation of his promises. And I'm just excited about what God is doing in this year of 2019. One thing that um, the Lord has just spoken into my spirit for today is that we should not forget our first love. Yes. When those promises and when the manifestation of his promises come forward, we should not forget our first love. Right. He is our first love. He is our number one priority. Amen. And when we are basking in the blessings of him and what he has said that he is going to do, yes. we cannot forget him. Right. We cannot forget the blessing. We cannot forget the blesser of the blessings that we yes. have received. Yes. So we need to return to our first love. Amen? Amen. And in many instances throughout the day, we use the word love. When visitors come to restoration, they say to us that they can feel the love that of the people when they walk through the doors. They say, and this is, they say that they can feel the presence of the Lord and they can feel the warmth and the love. And they talk about the feeling that they get when they come to restoration. And this is just a part of restoration. This is just what we do. We love on people. But love within itself is not just a feeling. Love is also an action. And when visitors feel love it's because we have exhibited love the action word of love the love that we exhibit it comes from God 
And in 1 John 4 and 8 in the King James Version, it says, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So God is love, and this love is exhibited, his love is exhibited throughout the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we see different examples of how much God loves us and what he has done and what he has, what he has provided for us because of his love. His love is shown in First John, I'm sorry, in John 3 and 16, very well-known scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, his yes. one and only yes. son, yes. that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God exemplified this love by sacrificing his son for you and I. In Psalm 107, 8 through 9, it says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love yes, and his yes. wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Amen. In yes. and, and John 15 and 12, it says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. So he shows and he, through his word, it exhibits how he loved us. But then he also gives us the command in John 15 and 12 that we are to love one another the way that he loved yes, us. Yes. It is because of God's love that we are saved, that we are healed, that we are delivered, that we are set free, that we have provision for the things that we need. It is because of his love that is exemplified that we are his beloved children. Amen? Amen. So his love is exemplified to us and our love is exemplified in our relationships with our spouse, with our loved ones, our family and friends. And most importantly, our love is exemplified in our relationship with Christ. As stated above, he loved us so much that when we had fallen out of relationship with him, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, yes. to die on the cross for the as the ultimate sacrifice for the remission of our sins that we may become back in relationship with him once again. Now that's love. Your love for someone or something will make you sacrifice a portion of yourself or a piece of yourself to that person to show them how much you love them. Your love for a certain thing, you it will be a sacrifice of a piece of yourself in order to accomplish yeah, yeah. that thing. So say, for example, if you're on your job and you have a love for the work that you do, or if you're um, if you do if you have a special craft, if you love to sing and you have a love for singing, then it's going to take sacrifice in order to perfect that craft. Yeah, yeah. So your love for that craft, you're going to sacrifice a piece of yourself in order for that thing to be accomplished. Yeah, Amen. So I remember when pastor and I were dating and when he pronounced his love for me, it was wonderful to hear him say those words, to say that he loved me. And they made me feel so honored. And it was an amazing feeling because I hadn't been loved like that before. But it was when he said those things, in as much as him saying it, it was the actions that went along with what he was saying that made me believe, actually believe that his love for me was true. 
So, for example, his opening the door for me, or the care and the attention that he exhibited to me, his taking time to spend time with me and to be around me and to be in my presence and to, you know, so to speak. It was the little things that he would do to make me feel loved and appreciated that made me believe that once he said, I love you, that it was truly a statement of belief. So in saying that, when love is in its beginning stages, you're excited and you can even sometimes feel overwhelmed because someone cares for you so much, yeah. you know, and you are the recipient of that love. And it's just like with our relationship with Christ. When you are a new believer in him and when you are new in ministry, you feel like you can conquer the world. You're so excited to learn of God's love and how he made such a sacrifice to you for you because he loved you so much. How through his son, you know, the death and the burial and the resurrection of his son that you are reconciled back to him in relationship. And just to know that he loved you that much, to care about you, to be back into relationship with you. He loves you so much that he wants to see you prosper. He wants to see you in good health in yeah, every yeah, area yeah. of your life. And not just for your life, but for the generations that are to follow. And as a new believer, you didn't just want to experience this by yourself. You wanted to shout it out on the mountaintops. Yes. You wanted to tell the world about Jesus Christ and how much he loves you and how your life has changed and how much with the love of Jesus it could change their life. You were talking about it to anyone that would stay still and listen and just to hear what it is that you had to say. You were being that mouthpiece for God, that ambassador that he has ordained you to be. But as the time went on, something began to happen. Today we're talking about a church, actually two churches, that lost their love and their zeal for Christ. In the beginning, they had a zeal for him. In the beginning, they had a love for him. But we're going to be talking about the church of Ephesus, and we're also going to be talking about the church of Laodicea. And these are two churches of the seven churches of Asia Minor. So there was a letter, we're going to read, excuse me, we're going to read uh, Revelations, the second chapter, the first through the seventh verse. <clears throat> this is about the church of Ephesus. And it says, And the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saying that he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, yes. I know thy works, and thou art, and how thou canst not bear them, which are evil. And thou hast tried them, which say they are apostles, and are not and has found them liars, and has borne, and has patience, and for my name's sake has labored, and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from thence, from hence, excuse me, thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and I will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Yes. But this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. 
He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And I'm going to stop there. <clears throat> the church of Edifice, this was a letter that was written, and this letter was... It was Jesus's vision that he gave John. And John, while he was um, on this island of Patmos, he wrote these letters to the churches. And this particular letter was to the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus was, or Ephesus itself, was the capital of Asia Minor. And it was a center land and a sea trade. Um, it's a place of sea trade. And in this letter, Christ commends them for their working hard, for them being patient, resisting sin, critically examining the claims of false apostles, and suffering patiently without quitting. So they did a lot of good. They did a lot of good as a church, you know, and all of their good efforts should spring from their love of Christ. And both Jesus and John stress brotherly love as an authentic proof of the gospel. So this church steadfastly refused to tolerate sin among its members in a city that was noted for the immoral sexual practices associated with the worship of the goddess Diana. We too live in a time of immorality where being open-minded, you know, towards sin and calling it a personal choice or alternate lifestyles is running rapid in and out of the churches. We have to remember that in order to be an effective witness, we cannot compromise our belief. It is God's approval that that is infinitely more important than the world's approval of how we may act or think. In this church, a lot of the old founders had died and the second generation believers were coming forward and they had lost their zeal for God. They were a busy church. They were busy in their community. They were busy amongst themselves. And, you know, they acted, you know, and did different things that promoted the community. But were they acting out of their love of God? And what we have to realize is that we can be a busy church and we can be doing different things. But why are we doing it? Yeah. Are we doing it because we really want to touch the lives of others? Are we doing it because we want to exemplify brotherly love from one to another? Or are we doing it because everyone else is doing it and they said it's a good idea? Yeah. So we have to differentiate what is a good idea and what is a God idea. We have to differentiate our motives for doing things. If we're doing it because it's something that God has commanded us to do and we're doing it out of a love for him, then we're doing it for the right reasons. But if we're doing it for any other reason, then it's not right. So we have to focus on what is it, what is God's will for us? What is it that God wants us to do? And what we do for God, it must be motivated out of our love for him. And if not, it won't last. And that's why sometimes in churches you'll have something that you're doing and you'll say, oh, well, this is a good idea. Let's do this. But if it's not done out of a motive and out of the love of God, it's not going to last. It's like the difference between a program and a lifestyle. Yes, I can start dieting. I can start eating right. I can start exercising. But if I'm not doing it for the right reasons, it's not going to last because 
because it's not a lifestyle. So we have to remember that when we do things and when we do them to the glory and honor of God, we have to keep him first and foremost in every single thing that we do or else it won't last. Returning to Revelations, the third chapter. And in Revelations, the third chapter, we're speaking about the church of Laodicea. And it's starting at the 14th verse. At the 14th verse, it says, And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith, saith thee, Amen. <clears throat> the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou, I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I do over, even as I overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Amen? Amen. Amen. We thank God for that word because this is a letter that John wrote to the church of Laodicea, as I stated before, from a vision of Jesus. These letters consisted of, um, of a record of certain events that could either encourage or could warn believers of what is to come. God has promised each of us so much upon acquiring the manifestation of his promises. We must be very, very careful and cautious to never stop giving him praise and, for, and to never stop having a zeal for his purpose. Laodicea was one of the wealthiest of the seven cities and was known for its banking industry, manufacture of wool, and a medical school that produced salve for the healing of eyes. As wealthy as this city was and the people that lived therein and had become lukewarm in the eyesight of God. If you have had anything to drink that was supposed to be hot and it was lukewarm, it didn't taste good. If you have had anything to drink that was supposed to be cold and it was lukewarm, it didn't taste good. Why? Because of the expectation of how it was supposed yes, to taste. Yes, yes. I remember watching War Room and in the, there was a scene in War Room where 
the, um, the young woman that was married went to the older woman's house and she had made her, she asked her, did you want a cup of tea? And they were talking about different things that were going on in her life. And she said, yes, I would like a cup of tea, a cup of, no, she asked her specifically, would you like a cup of hot tea? And she said, yes. And so she went and she made this tea, she brought it back to her and she sipped it and she was like, oh, this isn't hot, it's, it's warm, it doesn't taste good. And she said yes, and that was the point that she was trying to make with what she was trying to say. You have to be all the way in or you're just all the way out. You can't have step. You have to be wholeheartedly giving God your all. So to be lukewarm, the Lord is saying that I will spew you out of my mouth. I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth because you have to be one way or the other in God's eyesight. The Lord said to me in a vision, you shall acquire much. This was some time ago, but you must remain faithful. The Lord is preparing us now. He's preparing us now, but we must remain faithful during this time frame. We must remain faithful to the vision that God has given this ministry and continue with the same zeal to fulfill his purpose for ministry individually and as a whole, as a church family. We cannot afford to become idle and self-satisfied and do nothing when God has placed giftings in our hands to be able to reach the community and to be able to reach out to those that are lost and do not know him in the pardon of their sins. We cannot afford to become idle and neglect to do anything for Christ except for the bare minimum. It's not good enough to come every Sunday morning and to sit here on Sunday mornings and then to do nothing afterward. It's not good enough to be able to just get on, um, uh, to come to morning prayer on Monday and Friday and then not do anything after that. You have to have a personal relationship with him in order to continue to grow in order to continue to draw nigh to him you have to know him personally it's not enough that when we just come together that we're just here together but we have to expand beyond the walls expand beyond the confounds of this hotel and minister to the needs of the people we have to minister to those that we come in contact with we can no longer stay in hiding on our job amen we can no longer stay in hiding in the schools. We can no longer stay in hiding with our friends that may not know him. But we have to have a voice. We have to be that ambassador. We have to speak out to the community. We have to speak out to others that need that love and do not know him. So we have to we have to examine ourselves. We have to say to ourselves, Lord, am I in a position where I am being idle? Am I in a position where I am lukewarm? God, I don't want you to spew me out of your mouth. I don't want you to be dissatisfied with what I'm doing. But I don't want to become so busy that I'm not putting you first. I don't want to become so busy doing things that I'm not keeping my focus on you where it should be. God wants us to be hot. He wants us to be fervent. He wants us to operate with a zeal to fulfill his will. We cannot as a ministry and individually settle to serve God half-heartedly. You're either all the way in or you're all the way out. 
We can't come to him half-heartedly. You know, we have to, what we do, it has to be evident that we love God with our whole heart. We must serve him with our whole heart. As we receive the promises of God and the fruit of our labor becomes visible and it becomes evident, we must not allow our material possessions to become more important than him. The word comes to us today because he is putting us in position to receive, to receive. But we cannot allow the enemy to distract us when we receive and put our blessings before the blesser. The Laodiceans had allowed their material possessions, the things that they could not, the things that they could see and buy become more important than the internal possessions in their relationship with God, the things that they couldn't see. Wealth and money and possessions can make you feel more confident based on what you have. But if you don't have a relationship with God, it's as if you have nothing. Christ tried to show the Laodiceans the true value is not in their material possessions, but rather in a right relationship with God. That is the mindset that we must maintain upon receiving the manifestation of the promise. We must keep him first in everything, no matter how much we acquire, No matter how much the ministry is going to flourish, no matter how much we obtain, we must stay in right relationship with him. Glory to God. The things that we do for him, they must be done with a zeal and a fervency to fulfill his will and purpose in our life. We must never forget him and his awesomeness toward us. It is he that have blessed us. It is he that is going to keep his promise. It's him that is going to help us to prosper and to be in good health. It is him that has promised these things to us. But we cannot forget him at all. God lets this church in verse 19. And I'm going to read that. Revelations 3 and 19. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 3 and 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So if we do fall into that lukewarm type of a situation, God gives us and affords us the opportunity to repent and to come back to him. And in this particular verse, It shows just how much he loves them. And yes, it talks about rebuking them. But why does a parent rebuke you? Why does a parent discipline you? They discipline you because they love you. And he will discipline them if they don't turn from their ways. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the church that God has to discipline. (laughs) Amen. I want to follow. (laughs) Amen. That path. I want to follow his way and follow his will. Amen. Glory to God. I remember when I used to do something wrong and, you know, my father used to tell me, well, you know what? I'm doing this, you know, for your good. And you're standing there as a child and you see the belt in his hand and you're like, how is this for my 
good, you know? How is this going to be good for me? And I remember even going back into the days of staying with my grandmother, and she would tell me, well, you go out in the backyard and you pick your own switch. Okay, how do I know which switch to pick? Do I pick the one with the leaves? Do I pick the one without the leaves? I don't know which is going to hurt less. Basically, neither one, amen? But this was their way of showing us through discipline just how much they loved us. Amen. Amen. And God was doing the same. He was telling them the same thing. You know, God's purpose in disciplining us is not to punish, but in actuality is to bring us closer to him. As your natural father doesn't want to discipline you, but he knows that if he doesn't, you will continue to do and exhibit the wrong behavior. So in so doing, he wants you to do what is right. So just like our Abba Father, he wants us to do what is right in his eyesight. If you are lukewarm in your devotion to the things of God, through his discipline, he wants you to come out of your uncaring attitude to a one of zeal for him. Even in discipline, he exemplifies his love for us. There are ways to avoid the discipline, however, and that is to just draw near to him. Amen. To, you know, through your communication with him and through spending time with him, through your service, through your worship, through studying the word of God, you can draw near to him. The more you do these things consistently, the more your zeal will come back. Hallelujah. I know that there are times through our walk and through our journey where we may feel like we may have fallen into that lukewarm state of mind where, you know, we're doing things just to be doing them. And there's no zeal. There's no spark there. But when you worship and when you stay in his presence, glory to God, even just a few minutes of listening to worship music or a few minutes of just bowing before him and just being in his presence you can feel his presence rekindle you you can feel that spark and that zeal come back and you can feel like you're the superwoman and the superman that ambassador for christ that's just gonna go out and tell the world about your savior glory to god let us not become like the church of laodicea when we start to see the manifestation of god's promise As sure as I am standing here today, it will happen and we have to be ready. We have to be so sold out to the Lord, so sold out to God, so rooted and grounded in his word that nothing will sway us and we won't be puffed up with pride. Let not, let's not become satisfied with what we have, but rather always seek his face and be in his presence, yes. always keeping him first and foremost into our, in our lives. I remember a pastor one time, he gave a testimony about how when he was living in Georgia and he had, you know, he had prayed about, you know, getting a new car. He, you know, he wanted a house, a home for his family. You know, God had blessed him with a, a good job and he was able to obtain those things. And it would be Sunday morning. And I'm not saying anything that he hasn't already said 
or before, but it would be Sunday morning and he was outside and, you know, Jan would ask him, well, are we going to church today? And he's like, well, you know, I'm going to just wash my car down, you know, I got to keep it clean. And, you know, your, your thinking is, is I got to take care of what God gave me and bless me to have. So I'm going to clean my home and make sure it's clean, you know, and all of these different things. And yes, we do have to take care of what God has blessed us. But if it is taking the place of your first love, then we need to go back, get things right with God, and repent of our sins, and then come to him wholeheartedly. In, in John 14 and 15, it states, If you love me, keep my commandments. It's so simple. If we love him, if we have a zeal for the things of God, if we want to please him, and not worry about pleasing others around us, then we're going to keep his commandments. If when your manifestation arrives, you feel, if you start to feel indifferent to church, indifferent to God, yes, or indifferent to his word, mm -hmm. then the process has begun and you've started shutting God out of your life. We cannot allow the enemy to make us feel indifferent towards the word of God because it is God that has brought us through. It is God that has taken you through that journey. And when you acquire those things that you're believing God for, because I know it's going to happen, when this church is busting out of the walls of this hotel and we need to get our own building, when we're going to need two vans to be able to get people from the community to be able to come to the ministry to be fed, when all of these things start happening, when the widow's might starts happening, when the life lessons start happening, when the spoken word is busting out of the walls and people are demanding our minister from one place of the country to the other, when all of these things start happening, we have to be ready. We have to be rooted and grounded that nothing is going to take the place of the almighty God. That whatever he says is going to come first and I'm going to make him my number one priority. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you Lord Jesus. So in conclusion, just stay diligent to the things of God. Never forget him. Never forget the love that he has for you. Keep your heart open to him and to his will. Relationship with him is everything and if you don't have relationship with him then you can have all the wealth in the world but it's like as if you were poor because you don't have him in your life glory to god stay in relationship with the father stay connected to him and forever keep your zeal amen amen, amen. we're standing glory to god Introducing Minister Thomas Gilbert with the final word. Good evening, everybody. Today, I want to direct your attention to Luke chapter 6, starting at the 27th verse. Jesus speaking says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. Jumping down to verse 35, Jesus still speaking says, but love your enemies, do good and lend hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your father also is merciful. 
So if I can give a brief testimony uh, before expounding a little bit on this scripture. Years ago, I worked for an apartment complex and I had purchased this uh, high impact clutch state of the art top of the line DeWalt drill. We're talking $250, $300, multiple batteries and, and chargers that came with the thing. Um, very, very, I was, I, this was like the drill of drills for me. It, it, to this date, it is actually the most expensive drill that I've ever owned. Um, but anyway, so during the time that I worked for this apartment complex using this drill, there was a gentleman um, who, for lack of a better name, we'll call him Ghost. Uh, this was the, the term of the name that I was given for, for him. His name was Ghost. And um, Ghost was an, a, a drug addict. And uh, Ghost used to sleep outside of the building. And I would, I would minister and witness to Ghost and, and do my best to try to be a good example of a godly man unto Ghost. And um, one, of the, one of these days, uh, after ministering to him, like he, he was brought to tears and wanted to accept the Lord. But I, I think he was a little afraid and didn't really know what to do. And I was still young in the ministry and all, all the excuses that you need to to fill in the blanks of why I never led this man to Christ, whatever you want to put there is on you. Um, so I, I go into work and that in particular day, I just locked my tools in the apartment. Unbeknownst to me, I went home and the apartment got broken into and none of my tools were stolen except the drill. Immediately, Coming into work the next day, I recognized that my high-powered drill is gone. Because I noticed that my drill is gone, uh, one of the other uh, tenants that was in the building saw my face, realized that I was distraught, and kind of knew maybe something was wrong based on the information that they had, which was they had saw ghosts break into the apartment. Now, here it is. I have just finished giving this man the word of God, witnessing to him, ministering to him, trying to do my best to be a good example unto him. And here he is robbing me, stealing from me, not just stealing anything from me, but he stole my drill, my, my prize tool, the tool that I was most proud of. He stole it. And so this this tenant told me where he was and that he was <clears throat> working at a construction site. And he was he was actually helping out. And I guess he was trying to make money, get his life together. But during that time frame of me getting myself together, getting ready to go down there and give this man a piece of my mind, the Holy Spirit said, wrap the charger and extra battery up and take it to him. And so without hesitation, I wrapped it up, took it down there and, and, and I took it to him and I told the man I, I asked for this man by name. I knew his real name. I asked for him by name. And I, I give the charger to the man. He, he was afraid to come out. Ghost was afraid to come out. So I gave the charger to the foreman that was there, the man that was there. And I said, next time, just tell him to ask. I would have gave it to him. And I gave it to him. And I never saw a ghost again. I never saw the drill again. I never got it back. But my thing was, maybe that's the very thing that may have led him to Christ. I don't know. But I know the word of God says to be merciful. To give, to lend, not looking for anything in return. And, and maybe, maybe we will lead someone to Christ. Stop looking for what you can gain and start looking for what God can gain. You be blessed this evening. Be encouraged and encourage others. God bless you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Restoration Place on the King James Radio Network. We hope that you have been encouraged and until next time, little prayer, little power. Lot of prayer, lot of power. No prayer, no power. Have a blessed week. Celebrate Halloween with dressed up donuts from Dunkin', like the spooky sweet Halloween spider donut. Trick or treat. Aren't you a little bit old to be trick or treating? Uh, no. This is, uh, it's just a really good、uh, costume. Anyway, I hear you're giving out Dunkin' spider donuts? Didn't I just see you with your kid? No, that was just,、uh, my friend. Psst, Dad, is it working? Run to Dunkin' all month long for the Halloween spider donut and get 10 Munchkins donut hole treats for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Limited time offer, participation may vary. Celebrate Halloween with dressed up donuts from Dunkin', like the spooky sweet Halloween spider donut. Trick or treat! Aren't you a little bit old to be trick or treating? Uh, no. This is,、uh, it's just a really good、uh, costume. Anyway, I hear you're giving out Dunkin' spider donuts? Didn't I just see you with your kid? No, that was just,、uh, my friend. Psst, Dad, is it working? Run to Dunkin' all month long for the Halloween spider donut and get 10 Munchkins donut hole treats for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Limited time offer, participation may vary.